Come on, church, let's give him praise. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you. We worship you, Jesus. We applaud you. Thank you. Lord, we thank you today that your plan is not determined or actuated by the words of any man. Your plan is determined by your decisions and your will and your timing. I am just simply here today, Lord, just to encourage your people. I cannot actuate your plan, but Lord, I thank you that you have already determined to do what you're going to do in our lives. And we thank you that it is going to exceed our expectations. It's going to be above all that we can ask or think. So Lord, we simply put our trust and our faith and our complete confidence in what you have spoken, in what you have declared. Even if our experience may contradict it, even if, Lord, the circumstances that are around us, the voices that are speaking to us, are contradicting what you have spoken, what you have planned. Be sure, church, the Word of God will not return void without accomplishing that for which He has sent it. No man will bring it down. No circumstance that runs contrary to it will defeat it. We thank you. We rest. And right now, Lord, like your Word commands us to do where you say be still and know that I am God some of the dreams that we have in our hearts some of the hopes that we hold to for this next year Lord are far beyond what we could ever accomplish but Lord we just still ourselves in the knowledge that you are God in the knowledge that if you have declared them if you've ordered it it shall be So we thank you for it as we come to your word, as we seek to encourage ourselves today. Lord, I pray that the seed of your word, again, would go into the soil of our hearts and produce a harvest that truly is supernatural, abundant. We thank you as your word declares that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, And that blessing adds no sorrow. That blessing just keeps on teeming over and teeming over. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. We are rich with blessing. There's blessing on our homes. There's blessing on our marriages. There's blessing on our families. There's blessings on our workplace. You have, what you have called blessed cannot be cursed. What you have deemed blessed, Lord, cannot be anything else other than a rich, wonderful, living experience. So we thank you. We have been made rich because you've called our lives blessed. And there will be no sorrow added to it. There will be no sour taste in our mouth from the riches that you give. Because that blessing of the Lord is truly wonderful. Amen. Amen. Oh, Jesus, we love you. You can be seated. I tell you now, when I get praying, it's hard to stop. Wonderful. Fantastic. Well, just before this service, I was in the, in the back room. And I just want to encourage you, you know, sometimes how the Holy Spirit really helps us. How many people need help? Don't all shout out at once. Oh, I need as much help as I can get. I put my both arms up, my legs up. Oh, man, I shouted from the rooftops. I'll take any help I can get. I need as much help as I can get. And um, sometimes it becomes really apparent when you need help. And I was in the back room this morning just going through You know what I'm going to say in the moments that we have together. And this negative thought went through my mind. And you know the awful things about negative thoughts is sometimes you can be going ahead in life and and moving forward. And then suddenly a thought can come into your mind that can be, it can be like what the Bible calls it, a fiery dart. And it comes to slow you down. 
It comes to stop you. It comes to hinder you. It, sometimes it's th- those thoughts that hit your mind. It's, it's almost like you're, you're, you're struggling to move in a swamp-like experience. And one of those thoughts came to my mind this morning. And um, I was in the back room just minding my own business. And uh, it, it, for a moment, for a, for a brief second, it affected me. And, and, you know, you're moving forward and anticipating the great things that God's going to do in the service. And then suddenly this thought comes along and you get hit back. And your, your expectation gets affected and your emotions struggle. And I, I, I struggled with this, this fiery dart. And then all of a sudden, to my surprise, listen, to my surprise, suddenly... Out of my innermost being, the joy of the Lord just welled up inside me and I just started to laugh uncontrollably. I'm telling you now, I was so surprised. I really was. It caught me off guard. I was laughing and crying at the same time and that thought that seemed so aggressive, that thought that seemed so determined to bring me down just suddenly went away. It's a wonderful thing when the joy of the Lord and the realities of the Word of God become part of our experience. You know, God wants really to lift our burdens, to lift our hopes, to, to, to strengthen our inner man. He hates it when we get bombarded with negative thoughts and those negative thoughts take us out. He hates it when our lives, you know, go into that swamp of depression or anxiety or worry. He hates it so much. Why? Because he's the one that believes in you more than anyone else would ever believe in you. He believes in you more than we believe in ourselves. He loves us so much and he never ever wants us to struggle and to to be weary and to be burdened. And and that in itself almost seems unbelievable because we do, don't we, carry so many worries? We do on a daily basis struggle with so many fears. We do on a daily basis have this earthly broken experience that seems to contradict all of the wonderful truths that are teeming in God's word for our lives. But God stands and he says, listen, I've got so much for you, Dave. Dave, I've got so much for you to enjoy. You don't have to, you know, struggle with a broken life experience. I will give you beauty for ashes, Dave. Well, there's a lot of ash, God. What can you do with the ashes of a bad attitude? What can you do with the the, the ashes of of a broken mind? What can you do with the ashes of a broken life experience? And God says, just hand me the ashes that you can do nothing with and I will make them beautiful. I will make them beautiful. He's incredible. You know, when something gets reduced to ashes, it certainly gets reduced to its final state. Its final state. There's nothing that you can do with ash. But we stand in the presence of one that can even take ash. We stand in the presence of one that can even use his power and his glory and everything that he is. And when he brings it into the ashes of any life experience, he can take that which has been reduced to nothing and make it something which people will call beautiful, which you yourself will look at and say, my God, it is beautiful. The Bible says, we are the workmanship of God. Created in Christ Jesus. You're not some DIY project. You're not some, you know, half left project. Your life has the focus of Jesus Christ on it. Your life has the commitment of heaven behind it to get it from where it is into everything that God has provided for it. You are the workmanship of Christ in Christ, you the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus and whatever he touches, whatever he makes is glorious. And there's glory all over your life. There's glory all over your future. Why? Because God has declared it so. And I understand that that 
word itself and the words that I'm speaking and the way that I'm talking to you this morning may be so far removed from our experience. I understand that because I battle with that myself where I am today and where God has said, Dave, you're going to be. Seems worlds apart. But he's a miracle working God. He really is. And the greatest miracle is not Jesus turning water into wine. It's Jesus coming and living in your life at where, to, to the place where you live and move and have your whole being in him. It really is. It's wonderful. I was thinking about a story that the great preacher Charles Spurgeon once told, and I'm sure you've heard it before because we've mentioned it here on numerous occasions in the past, Charles Spurgeon was a tremendous preacher and he had a church in London, a church of many, many tens of thousands of people. And one, on one occasion, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, was asked to visit a very poor woman who was living on her own. And this woman was living in abject poverty. She was struggling and suffering through life. And Spurgeon retells the story. He said, I went into her home and it was as they said. The home was in complete darkness. There was no furniture. She was sitting on a box and she was eating off a box. She was, in, she was living in squalor. And she said, oh, Mr. Spurgeon, please pray for me. Mr. Spurgeon, please Ask Jesus to lift this burden of suffering and poverty from me. And Spurgeon said the place was filthy in which she lived. And as he looked around the room and saw the squalor, his eye caught a little picture on, on the wall. A little piece of handwriting that was framed. And he went over to the picture and he took it and began to read it. And he said to the lady, who gave you this? And she said, well, this was left to me when, my, when, when one of my, my family's friends died. And he said, well, do you know what is written on, on this piece of paper that belongs to you? She said, no, I, I haven't got any idea because I'm illiterate. I'm an ignorant woman. I'm a poor woman that's suffering. And he said, well, this, this is actually the title deed of a will that belongs to you. She said, well, Mr. Spurgeon, what does that mean? I've had it for many, many years. He said, well, you are the inheritor of untold millions. You are the inheritor of untold riches. You should not be living in this squalor, in this poverty, because everything for your future and your present has been provided, legally documented in this will for your life. Obviously, the lady's life changed. She was taken suddenly from abject poverty and suffering into blessing, wholeness, riches, and provision on the basis of that will. But that woman lived in ignorance of her blessing, of her pro prosperity for oh so many years. She struggled with life. She struggled with living because she was ignorant of what was hanging right there in her home. Sometimes I feel like that as a Christian. I really do. I really do. I have this, this, this will that I hold in my hand, the New Testament, the Old Testament, teeming full of blessing, teeming full of promises ratified in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, God has laid bare his covenant of blessing that entitles every single one of us to riches beyond measure. And yet very often, how I live like a beggar. I squander about looking for some strength here, 
looking for a little bit of encouragement here, begging with my bowl. Oh, if somebody will say a nice word to me today to cheer my life up. I'm telling you now, if only I could realize that God rejoices over me with singing and songs every day of my life. If only I could realize that greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. There's a resource inside us. There is an anointing that abides within you, whereby you have no need of the outer world around you that any man teach you, the Bible says, because the anointing will provide for you. The anointing will teach you. You're rich beyond measure, church. There's no reason for us ever to live a beggarly life, a poverty-stricken life, emotionally, socially. He's made us rich. But very often, it's a journey. We don't go on, you know, the hyper side of, you know, Confess, 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 confess and ignore everything around us and as if we're robots and we're numb to the world experiences that we face. No, there is a journey. But I'm telling you now, God wants to bring us into new things this year. He wants the things that we read about to actually become realities. Oh, it's wonderful when the word of God becomes a reality in your life. It really is when just a line, a line, a word becomes real to you and it drops into your heart, into your life experience and you begin to unpack this power and you begin to feed on it and it becomes, it becomes everything to you. Sometimes we struggle with life. Sometimes we feel life. Sometimes we just, you know, back up. And reverse and press a pause button. And we just give up. But my Bible encourages me like it encourages you in Peter. Second Peter, Peter said this. That we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. These promises give us power. For life and godliness. It says in Peter, Peter says this, as he understands the wonderful blessing, the wonderful glory of provision that's been given to him in Christ. He said, we've been given exceedingly great and precious promises. And we've been given power to live life in a godly way. We really have. And that means this, no matter what presents itself to you, In 2017, through these exceedingly great, precious promises, you've been given everything that pertains. That's what it says. You've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. God doesn't just want us to come into a building and sing nice songs that sound great and, you know, they're modern and contemporary. That's fantastic. It lifts me up. I love it. I love all of this. And the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of the saints together. But I'm telling you now, God has not just, you know, brought us into Christ for a few moments that we spend together every Sunday. It's far bigger than that, far greater than that, far broader than that. He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. No challenge will be able to take you down. No mountain will be able to define you. Nothing will be able to obstruct you because even with childlike mustard seed faith, you will be able to speak to it. Why? Because you've been given everything that pertains to life. You can go in and you can be prosperous and blessed in any activity that that you undertake if you do it for his glory. Because he's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Two thousand and seventeen. Here we are at the beginning, right at the beginning of it all. And I was thinking about this. You know, millions of people the world over today have come out with their New Year's resolutions. Anybody got any New Year's resolutions? Come on, Trish. Yes, fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to eat more curry. No, I've decided I'm going to eat more curry than ever. 
In this New Year spike, I have decided to eat at least one or two kebabs a week. That's mine and Carl's resolution every year, Carl. I think we had the same one last year, didn't we? Yeah. But I'm going to make it spicy this year. Yeah. And I'm not just going to go for the shish kebab. I'm going to have the doner kebab. Come on. What do you want? You know, when you, why, why do you want half fat when you can have full fat? I'm going to have, you know, the old elephant's leg. Go on, bro. Carve it off. I'm having it all. Yeah, I've made my resolutions. So we got curry going on. We got a bit of um, Turkish going on. Donna kebabs. Resolutions are great. They're fantastic. They really are. This is, this is the time where people in their, in their millions across the world make their New Year's resolutions. You know, statistically, they say that the, the, the biggest time where people register Oh, the, 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 the biggest month where, where gyms actually get new memberships and new registrations is in January. But they're all cancelling them at the end of January, you see. Life hits our resolutions. We make them and with the best intention, we want to fulfill them. We really do. And it's good to have a resolution or a number of resolutions. It's good to set some goals and to, to put out your plans and to, you know identify your desires, that's good. Nothing wrong with that. I think it's great. But lots of times the desires and the plans and the resolutions that we have can get hit by life and broken apart and in and of themselves they hold no power. So, you know, one resolution turns to another resolution and we just, you know, wander on down through life. But it's great to be able to look at God's word and say, listen, We can have some real resolutions for our lives based on the revelation of God's word, based on the scriptures. And I want to encourage you this morning. We're going to get into a few scriptures in a moment. Maybe you might take a verse that comes up on the screen this morning and you may say, do you know what? I'm going to note that verse down and I'm going to make that my resolution for this new year. If it's not any of the verses that I talk about this morning, let me encourage you today. Do it today. Go home and maybe it's just a favorite Bible verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, it may be Psalm 23, listen. That you take and you say, Lord, I'm going to make this my resolution this year. It may be simpler than that, just a little verse that you take and you hold and you, are, you have decided to take that through this year. I'm telling you now, it's not going to be broken apart by life because there's nothing more that God loves than when his children just take a little verse that he's spoken and say, do you know what, Lord? Would you help me unpack this in my life this year? Would you help me not, not be pulled to the left and the right by life, but be able to use this as a compass, as a directive, as an instruction for my life and for my walk with you. The Holy Spirit will enable you and help you to see that resolution through. So I'm going to give you a few resolutions in in a moment from the Word of God that you can take for your life. But as I I woke this morning, I... uh, Usually on a Sunday morning, I get up early and um, I think about what I'm going to say and I, I try to open myself up to just listening to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. But I didn't wake up this morning early. My, my alarm went off at six and I went, <coughs> I'm staying in bed. And then it went off at seven and it went, <coughs> I'm staying in bed. So I didn't get my study time this morning. And do you know what? But the Lord is so gracious. He's so wonderful. Because he's not really interested in me preaching a great sermon. He don't care about me preaching and me looking good. He just cares about you. I've said to you before, I'm just the mailman. 
And you don't get down on your knees when he posts a letter through your door and say, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. You're such a wonderful postman. You're so faithful. You're so good. No, the postman is just an anonymous man that delivers a message from another to you. And it's like that with a preacher. Don't ever, ever put a preacher on a pedestal. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe all their advertising if they give it to you and they spend it out in their spiel. No, listen, just understand, when you hear all of that stuff, they go to the toilet the same way that you do. They really do, friends. They really do. There's nothing special about any, any person. Don't, you know, don't allow anybody to put themselves up on a pedestal. Right? We're all the same, my friends, all of us. We all need forgiveness. We all need God's love. We all need his mercy. And we need, we need each other. And the last thing we need is one person putting themselves up above another when the Bible says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or empty conceit, but prefer others above yourself. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people, especially preachers, preferring themselves above others. When the word of God tells us not to do that. Hallelujah. Just a little thought for 2017. No, God loves you. And I say that because I'm telling you now, voices will come and influences will come and people and personalities and preachers will come to try and pull you to the left or to the right and they'll try to pull you to themselves. No, no. They go to the toilet the same way as you do. They really do. And no matter how they flatter you, no matter how good they tell you they are, no matter how they've got all of these wonderful things in place, and angels came and, and God came and even Jesus bowed down and worshipped them, no matter what they tell you, friends, don't believe it. Don't believe it. You've got the anointing in you. You've got Jesus Christ in you. And they did not hang on a tree for you. He did tell you. Woo! I tell you now, man. Jesus. So anyway, I'm lying in bed and uh, I hadn't done my study time. I thought, oh man, I, oh well, Lord, I slept in. <laughs> Jury said to me, right, serious now, and it just, you see, just a little sentence from the Holy Spirit just can explode and open up a world of thought, a world of encouragement to you. He said this, he said, you've got resolutions, haven't you? I said, yes, Lord, I'm going to talk about it today. He said, Dave, he said, I want you to know that God's got resolutions too. His resolutions are timeless. His resolutions over his people cannot be altered or affected by circumstance. They cannot be altered or, or redirected because of your lack of performance or because of your performance. God's resolutions over us are eternal, are faultless, and they never are affected by time. I want to read to you just a few of those resolutions that God has concerning our lives. Let me read to you from John, 1 John, first one. 1 John, chapter 3, verse 8, we find this wonderful verse that John, the apostle, brings to us. He says this, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Then he just talks about the purpose of Jesus, the purpose of God in Jesus. He says this, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. One of the resolutions, one of the revelations that God gives us in Jesus Christ, his Son, is this. He will destroy the work of the devil. No matter what faces you or comes your way in 2017, you can be assured 
If it's not of God, if it's, if it's negative and, and if it's obstructive and if it's trying to close you down, you can be assured that this resolution stands for you as it, standed for, as it stood for everyone else before you that Jesus has come to destroy the work of the evil one. There may be something happening in your life right now and you know it's not right. It's not of God. It's a work of the enemy. I'm telling you now, you've got every right to take hold of this resolution and say, Jesus, you have come to destroy the works of the devil. And I'm telling you now, you will see him. Sometimes it can happen swiftly and instantly where the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit begins to destroy a work that's, that's opposed against you or it can happen over a period of time because God wants you to get value from it. And that work against you will become a blessing for you and you'll see him piece by piece dismantle that work that has been de designed to bring you down. You've got every right to believe in this resolution that God has for his people and for his church. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Let me give you another one. Jesus clearly stating out his differences with the devil. Clearly stating out his differences between his resolution and what the devil has, has, has resolutely declared John chapter 10, verse 10, you, you, you'll know these words well. Jesus talking, revealing something. He says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then he resolves this. I have come that you may have life, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Take hold of that verse. Let it become a resolution. Let God's uh, Resolution become your resolution in 2017. Lord, you have come that I might have life. And not just an existence, not just a get by life, but a life more abundantly. What does that mean, Jesus? What does that mean? What does it mean that you have come that I might have life and life more abundantly? How do you unpack this in my experience, Jesus? Will you do it? Of course he will. Of course he will. Will he give you abundant life this year? Of course he will. Is your experience and life going to contradict it? Yes. But hang on to it. Hang on to that resolution. Don't, don't let life break it apart. Don't let life just contradict it and say you can't have it. Your life, according to the word of God, is not your own. You have been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ... You've not been purchased with silver and gold, the Bible tells us, but with the precious blood of Jesus. That tells you the worth that you have before him. That tells you the value that he places on each one of us. Oh God, it's incredible. You have every right in your private walk with him, in your talks with him. As you go through life, oh Lord, life is hard today, but you said you've come that I might have abundant life. Lord, I didn't expect this surprise. It's a shocking surprise. But Lord, in it all, Lord, in, in, in all of the confusion, Lord, you said that I might have life and life more abundantly. The enemies come to steal, kill and destroy. But you've come that I might have life. Hold on to that this year as you go through it. That's a resolution that, that God has resolved to bring into our lives. It really is. Let me give you another one. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6 says this, let your conduct be without covetousness. See, the Bible's full of these resolutions. Maybe, maybe this year, you know, maybe last year it was a year full of coveting things that you shouldn't have coveted. Anybody ever coveted? No, we're in church. No. I've never looked at what my neighbor's got and been jealous about it. Never. Never been envious. Bless God. I'm too pure for those thoughts. <laughs> oh, it's great, isn't it? Isn't it great that this church is just come as you are? 
normal people, 100% sinner, saved by 100% grace, transformed and changed into his likeness. Now, of course, we've coveted. Of course we have. We've all coveted. But then, you know, we can come to a point where we believe this. We say, Lord, 2016 was, was full of covetous conduct. But Lord, help me this year. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. My God, I wish I could have a third bike. I'm telling you, I got two, but I want another one. I've looked at all the magazines. I've been drooling over it. Looked up and down on the internet. I was on YouTube last night looking at bike trails. and It's brilliant. I, I, I've got to learn to ride one first. But a third one. Keith knows what I'm talking about. My neighbor. He used to come down my garage every day fixing the bike, Dave, are you? I used to have loads, Keith, didn't I? Another bike. And when I, you know, when I get three, then I'll want four. Why? Because there's a, there's a tendency within me to covet. There's a tendency within me not to be content with what I have. I want more. Because I'm greedy. But the Bible says, hey Dave, I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to, I'm going to, Holy Spirit says, Dave, I'm going to, I'm going to control those, those out of control desires that, that, that haven't got any end in themselves anyway. They're only going to bring you sadness. I'm going to help you to be content with the things that you have, Dave, this year. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for my two bikes. Be content with the things that you have. Some people haven't even got one bike. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. You see, that's a resolution. That's a, that's a God resolution. That's a God promise for your life. That's going to be unchanged throughout the course of your life for everything that's ahead in your future. That is unalterable. The words that Jesus has spoken, they're to you, friends. Why? Because he shed his blood for you. You're so precious, so valued, so loved by God. I will never leave you, he resolves. I will never forsake you. And out of that promise, out of that resolution, comes a new resolution from our hearts so we may boldly say, you see, his resolution to never leave us or forsake us brings about a resolution within us so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper. The realization that God is not going to leave you or forsake you no matter where you find yourself this year, no matter what goes on, no matter what pain, or difficulty or trauma comes our way because he's never going to leave us. In the, in the midst of darkness, we can say, the Lord is my helper. We can boldly say it. The Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? Let me give you another resolution. I'm going to jump straight, one, straight to the Romans 8, 1 mass. There's one. Absolutely fantastic. But just for time's sake, let me just run, jump to this one. Romans 8, 38 to 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. God has resolved to love each and every one of us. God has resolved and he's made a commitment that's eternal. That nothing will be able to separate you from that love. His love. Jeremiah said it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Every day of 2017, let it be a day where it's a new morning of his love. It's a new morning, an experience of his mercy. Let every day before us, 
in 2017 be an expression of God's goodness and faithfulness towards us just as Jeremiah described. Yes, life will come, life will go, life will contradict us. We'll have the high times and the bad times. We'll fail and fall in many ways like the Bible tells us. But let us enter into the experience of knowing the wonder of his unfailing, unfailing, unfaulting love. Then finally, I'm going to ask the musicians to come up. I had a, I had a number of resolutions for, for us. Maybe I'll just do another two. Just a simple word this morning to start off the new year. Next week, we're going to be launching something that Faye and I are really excited about. Something very simple, really, really simple around prayer. And um, doesn't involve sweat. Probably will involve some tears. And passion. But we're going we're gonna to launch that and encourage you in that next Sunday. We're, we've been praying. You know, I, wa- I want to say this to you, right? Pastor in here, it, it's a wonderful blessing to us. And we, we thank you for allowing us to be your pastors. Because you've got to allow us to be your pastors. We can't demand it. That would be crazy. You've got to, my dad used to say to me, you can't demand respect, you've got to earn it. Or trust or friendship. You can't demand it, you can't force it, you've got to earn it. It's, it. It is a wonderful honor. It's a wonderful responsibility to pastor and lead here in this church. It really is. And do you know, Whatever we do in this house, I want, I want to say this to you because this is the way the Holy Spirit ensures that it happens. Because we can't just do what we want to do. And um, whatever we do here, we do very slowly, very slowly. We don't just lock on to the latest idea, we don't grab hold of the latest trend. We do, very, we do it very slowly. So the Holy Spirit may speak to us, which he's done in a very, very simple way because we are simple people just like you. And he'll speak to us and when he speaks to us, he, he'll begin to unpack how he wants something to happen in his church, not our church, in his church. Because he's the one that build it. Unless the Lord build the house, the laborers labor in vain. The last thing I want to do is labor in vain. It really is. Because it gets really hard and it'll break you. So whatever we do, we, we, we listen to the Holy Spirit to the best of our ability. And we take that and we just pray about it and we give it months. Just leave it months and we talk about it and we, we pray about it and we become certain about something and it becomes a passion and it begins to fuel and it begins to excite us. So what we're going to launch next week is really simple. I know I'm blagging it up a lot. It's really simple. But it's been, it's been given to prayer. It's been given to consideration and thinking, and I'm sure it's going to result in blessing. I, I really am, because the Holy Spirit has given, given us wisdom on it. And Pastor Ray, you know, always, I believe I learned that from Pastor Ray. Pastor Ray would never, ever be impulsive with decisions or erratic with decisions. When it comes to leading the church, 
he would always say, hey, Dave, this was one of his phrases, and Dale will testify to this, one of his phrases, boys, you always turn a large boat slowly. He said, because if you turn it too quickly, you'll capsize it. Great wisdom. Great wisdom. He said that over the years, and we had the privilege to see him just implement things in the church very, very slowly. So some things he would be getting six months before he would bring it even into a meeting like this. Some things he would, like for instance, School of the Bible. Pastor Ray spoke to me and Dale about that for maybe four years, Dale, didn't he? About four or five years before we even got started on it. Oh, it's going to be this year, Dave. It's going to be this year, Dale. And then when it came to it, we'd be, we'd be almost at the starting point. And, oh, not this year, boys. I haven't got the green light on it. Oh! And it was four years. Dale went to South Africa to set up the connect groups in this church. And that, that decision to start connect groups in this church, Dale, it must have been five or six years. Yeah, long time. Long time where he was considering it and thinking about it and just... So sometimes, listen, I know there may be things that you really want to see happen in this church. We do too. We really do. But sometimes you just don't get the green light on it and you just got to wait. We're ready to labor. We're ready to run. But it's the Lord that builds a house. And if he doesn't build it, and if the builder doesn't say, boys, you don't put that block in there of that Bible school yet. You don't put that block in there. That block in there. Of, of connect groups yet. You don't put that block in there yet of community service. You can't touch the block. But we can labor as soon as he says, You're, I'm ready to build. That's when we labor. So we believe it's a green light on this little simple thing. We want you to be blessed by it and encouraged by it. One more resolution. Let's take this into this new year and bring closure to everything that's behind us bring closure to 2016 with confidence there may be a lot of things behind us that hey listen 2016 may have just been a flat year may have been a really year of 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 uh, difficulty and failure well let's bring closure to this year to that year, sorry. Let's bring closure to that year by this resolution. Philippians chapter 3. You're going to know these words well. Verse 12 and 4. Uh, verse 12 to verse 14 says this. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which... Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. That word press on means to run. Paul looks at what's ahead of him. He looks at his future and he's not slowing down. Huge obstacles in front of him. Pressures on every side. But the man is determined, empowered by the Holy Spirit to run, to press on and go forward. Let, let all of us at the outset of this year Say, Lord, I want to enter into what Paul is talking about here. Give me that passion to press. Give me that passion to run. Lord, there are obstacles. There's reasons in my own mind why I should give up. There's reasons in my own mind and around me voices trying to convince me that I've got to slow down. But Lord, please let me by your spirit enter into what this word is talking about me. I want to press on. I want to press on. I want to run with passion. Paul had this. He's going to unlock that for you this year. You're going to run. You're going to run with joy. With the, with the presence and the power of God in your spirit. I press on, he says, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me of. Laid, laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in 
Christ Jesus. This one thing I do. That may be the one thing that you need to do today as you leave this service. This one thing I do. I resolve to forget what's behind. That word forget, that phrase forgetting what's behind means this, to cease to be affected by. Cease to be affected by. God wants you to cease to be affected by 2016, to cease to be affected by 2015, to cease to be affected by years that have really defined and shaped and and molded your life in a way that it shouldn't have been shaped. God says, I want you to cease to be affected by today. This one thing I do, I commit myself to forgetting. Sometimes we commit ourselves to remembering. God says, no, I want you to commit yourself to forgetting. Make it the one thing that you commit yourself to. Forgetting the things that are behind. I press forward to all of the things that Christ has created me for. Amen? Amen. Let's give him praise this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Yeah. We thank you, Lord, for your word to us, a simple word. We've had some fun. Lord, we've spoken your promises. Holy Spirit, I pray. It's such a wonderful thing to have you in our lives. And you're anticipating great days ahead. Lord, we pray that we would unite with your anticipation and your love and your heart for us. And we ask you, We ask you this year to take us into that abundant life that you have declared to give us. You may be in this place this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your life. Why waste another day? Why waste another moment not having Jesus in your heart? You don't have to clean your act up. You don't have to give any big commitment or any huge promise to him. He's promised and given the commitment on your behalf. He says, just simply call out on my name and today you will be saved. I want to give you an opportunity right now to pray with me. I want to help you. That's what I want to do. Let's close our eyes in respect for those that may just want to simply pray today to put their trust and their hope in Jesus. When you ask Jesus into your life, it's a bit like jumping in the passenger seat and Jesus taking the driving wheel of your life and saying, hey, listen, I'll take the wheel from here. I'm going to take you to all of the locations and all of the blessings that I have for you. I'm going to drive. I'm going to take the pressure off you. You're going to be able to relax and rest as the passenger. Do you know what that means? It means that you haven't got to collide with other cars or crash or or get into the chaos of all of the decisions that you've got to make about life anymore. It means that he takes control. It's wonderful. Right now, I'm going to pray. If you want to ask Jesus Christ into your life today, you want him to take the driving wheel of your life, jump in the driver's seat, then pray this prayer with me. Just say simply, Jesus, I ask you right now to forgive me my sin, to come and live in my heart. I put my trust in you. I call on your name. Jesus, save me. Thank you. Amen.